Good morning, church family. So good to be here, and uh, this is a special day. So um, I'm glad you are here for this special day. Uh, we are, at the end of this service, going to vote on our 2024 budget, as well as to affirm our Faith Forward Restoration Campaign. And I am super excited about that. And then following the, uh, the service and the business meeting, we will have a ministry fair. So if you are not connected into a ministry of our church, you'll want to make your way over to the fellowship hall after the uh, church meeting in order for you to learn more about the ministries of our church and get plugged in. I'm truly convinced that any Christian who is not plugged into a ministry is not doing all that God has called us to do to be a part of his kingdom's work, okay? And so I just invite you to be thinking about that, praying about that. Um, as part of the Faith Forward campaign, before going over to the Fellowship Hall, everyone should have received a pledge card. So I hope that you have that with you. Uh, for those who received them last week and even this morning, if you're ready, we're going to have a special time of dedicating our pledge for this Faith Forward Restoration campaign, where we will beautify God's campus here at Ashley River Baptist Church. You know, he has planted us here 80 years now. 80 years ago. And so it is time for us to upgrade our facilities and God's leading us to do that. So I want all of us, 100% of us to participate. No gift is too small. No gift is too great. The idea here is that we're all participating in what God is doing here at Ashley River. I'm excited. And so I hope you are too. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. And we're going to be looking at the woman the dragon, and the male child this morning, as well as the war in heaven. Revelation chapter 12, and um, I have up there the timeline for us all to walk through, but first, stand if you are able for the reading of God's word. We're going to be reading just the first six verses of chapter 12, and then we'll continue on throughout the message. This is the word of the Lord. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. And then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 years. Days. Father, this is your word. We pray that you will illumine our hearts to its truth this morning as we study the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, your son and our savior and all of God's children said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as I think about this particular passage, uh, I want to recap because we are now in the middle of Daniel's 70th week. Okay, we are three and a half years into the tribulation period as we enter into chapter 12. As you all know, the church age we are currently residing in, and then at some point, 
something is going to happen called the rapture. The rapture we discussed and John typified it in Revelation chapter 4. And so the rapture will occur. At some point after that, this seven-year tribulation period will begin, and it will be fraught with three series of judgments, the sealed judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the, and the um, bold judgments. Now, what we've done is we've already seen the seven seals and the seven trumpets poured out on the earth. And let us remember that Revelation is the the content or the theme of Revelation is that it's the revealing or the disclosing of who Jesus Christ really is. He really is the Messiah. We've also learned that this is Daniel's 70th week, this tribulation period, which is covered between Revelation chapter 6 and chapter 18 in which we are in the middle of that period. Daniel had the vision of God, and God, Gabriel told Daniel, there are 490 years determined, set apart for Israel. 483 of those 490 years have already elapsed. And now we're just waiting for this final seven years. And that is what the the basic gist of Revelation 6 through 18 is, is those final seven years. So this book is very Jewish in nature because it's God dealing with his chosen people one final time to show them that Jesus really is the Messiah. And so when we come to chapter 12, we have to be careful to keep the natural outline of Revelation. We remember in chapter 1, verse 19, the natural outline is that Jesus told John, write down what you have seen, what is, and what must take place after this. And so we see that John then is raptured up to heaven in chapter 4. He sees God on his throne. He sees the Lamb who alone is worthy to open the scroll and to break the seals. He then sees the Antichrist come on the scene as the first seal, the rider of that white horse, a counterfeit Messiah who comes to try to bring some order out of the chaos after the rapture. And he himself uh, claws to power and then is able to influence the world and become a world leader during the first three and a half years. And then, of course, the judgments of God come. And people are killed. And in chapter 9, we talked about it last week, uh, the, the, the demons that are released from the abyss and from the river Euphrates, they come and they are given the power to kill a third of mankind. But God had sealed 144,000 Jews who would evangelize the world while they're on the earth. And so now here we are. The seventh trumpet has sounded and the declaration that the kingdom of this world has now become the kingdom of Christ. Praise God and hallelujah. And so John then sees this sign that I just read in chapter 12. And look at what it says there. He says, a great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Now we know this is not a woman. She represents something. And so that woman is clothed with the sun. The moon is under her feet and the crown of 12 stars on her head. This is, of course, 
a reference all the way back. You know how John writes. Two-thirds of all of the verses in Revelation are references back to the Old Testament, are referencing what God had put in his plan from the word go when he, when he called Israel. And so this woman represents Israel. Why? Because Joseph, one of the twelve, the eleventh of the twelve sons of Israel, actually had a dream. And he had two dreams, actually. The one is that his sheaf in the field was in the center and his 12, his 11 brothers were bowing down to him. Of course, that didn't uh, go to, over too well with his 11 brothers. But then he had another dream and this time it included his dad, Jacob, and his mom, Rachel. And of course, we see here that his dream is depicted for us in Genesis 37 verse 9 where he says there is, uh, there is this uh, uh, sun and moon and 12 stars which of course represent Jacob and Rachel and the 12 sons of Israel. And so the woman here very clearly is Israel. Is Israel. That's what this sign in heaven is all about that she is Israel. Well that's pretty easy. Well, let's go to the next one, the dragon. Look at what we see here in verse 3. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns on his head. Now, we see here that these, this dragon is identified for us in our memory verse that we read when John was up here, and it was what? The, the, the dragon is none other than Satan. Look down in verse 9. I love how the Bible interprets itself. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. And so it's very clear whenever you see a sign like this and it says the dragon, and then it gives us the actual definition of who the dragon is. Well, what about the seven heads? Well, think about all of the Gentile nations that have oppressed God's chosen people. The very first nation to do that we find in Exodus chapter 1. And that, of course, is the nation of Egypt. They, of course, enslaved Israel for 400 years. And so that's the first nation that the devil used to go against God's chosen people. The second nation was the nation Assyria. And we learn all through the Old Testament how Assyria oppressed Israel. The third nation is Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. He oppressed Israel and actually came in and destroyed the city, burned the temple, and carried off into captivity all of the Israelites who lived in that day. Well, Babylon gave way to the fourth kingdom, Media Persia. And Media Persia, the Medes and the Persians, came in and they too oppressed the Israelite people. And after them, we learn in Daniel, Greece rises to power under Alexander the Great. And then when he dies in Babylon, having gone mad, he then, his kingdom is split into four kingdom, four different territories. And four captains of his army take over. And so we see Greece is that fifth kingdom. And then the sixth kingdom is Rome. Rome, the great Rome, Roman Empire. And of course, this is when Jesus was come into this world at the height of the Roman Empire. And then what happened? In 70 AD, the Romans came in under Titus, the, the general, and they destroyed the temple. 
and Israel was scattered. It's called the diaspora, the dispersion of the Jewish people. And they did not get get identified as a nation again until 1948. Now, friends, this morning as we sit here, there is a war going on over in the Middle East between God's chosen people, Israel, and some people who want to eliminate them from the world. And we see it playing out before our very eyes that the devil wants to destroy God's people. And so we see here that those seven heads represent the seven kingdoms that have oppressed God's people. And guess what? The Antichrist will lead the eighth kingdom during the tribulation. We'll learn about the Antichrist more next week. The ten horns are ten kingdoms that the Antichrist will pull together. And then, of course, he'll take over three and then bring them into his power. The seven crowns are the authority that the devil has in this world at this point. And then, of course, he will, as it says here in verse 4, his tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. Of course, the stars here are fallen angels. That's what they represent, fallen angels. And they are following Satan. Satan is a created being, but he has opposed God and set himself up. And he has opposed God in everything that he has done. And so this is what's happening now. We see the woman Israel, God's chosen people. And we see the dragon, the one who wants to destroy them, annihilate them from the earth. And then we see here the male child. Look at what it says there. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,200 years and 60 days. So who is the male child? Uh, Here's Satan. Satan is a created being. He is known as the adversary and accuser. He is the devil, which means slanderer. And uh, in your scriptures, he is also referred to as Beelzebul. He is the Lord of the flies. In the New Testament, he's also referred to as the evil one, the God of this age, the tempter, the prince of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And I could go on. It's important to note that we have to understand who Satan is, but we cannot be enamored with him. We need to respect him as a foe, but we need to understand that he is a defeated foe. Amen? And so, therefore, this, Satan is this created spirit being. And look at the scriptures here. You'll see these slides. If you're signed up for our emails, you'll get these slides. You can go back and read Isaiah and Ezekiel, which tells us how and why Satan fell in the first place. It's powerful, powerful reading. And then, of course, we get to the male child. This is what we know about the male child. Number one, he is the woman's offspring. If he is the woman's offspring, then therefore the woman who is Israel, he must be an offspring of Israel. Secondly, he is Israelite by descent. Thirdly, he is about to be born. 
Now, let me just pause right there, because that's what it says here in chapter 12 of Revelation. If we are reading Revelation in sequential order, as the outline that is given for us in chapter 1, verse 19 dictates, then this cannot be Christ. Now, most scholars, I'm telling you, most of your favorite scholars and preachers are going to say that the male child is Jesus Christ. But that doesn't square with where this particular sign occurs. This sign occurs in the middle of the tribulation period. The woman is set free. She flees into the desert to be prepared, to be protected for 1260 days. 1260 days always, always, always in scripture refers to the final three and a half years of the tribulation. Why would John be given a revelation from God about something that happened 60 years before he wrote this prophecy and has happened 2,000 years plus from the events of this book? You understand the genre of this book is that it's a prophecy. It's pointing to future events. The birth of Christ is a past event. It is the first coming of Jesus Christ. This male child cannot be Jesus. But most scholars, I'm promising you, you go read it, you Google it, you'll find every, most scholars would say this male child is Jesus Christ. But understand, here in Revelation 12, reading sequentially, he is about to be born. And chapter 12 occurs in our future. So if the male child is not Jesus, who might he be? Well, he does rule with a, an iron scepter, this male child does. So, wait a minute, I thought Jesus ruled with an iron scepter. Well, let's remember that all of those who are with Christ, we will rule as well. We will rule and reign in the millennial kingdom. And so we will, in fact, Paul even says that we will judge the angels in 1 Corinthians. Isn't that fascinating? And so we'll rule with Christ. And so it doesn't discount another option for who the male child is. Furthermore, he is snatched up to God and to his throne. When? Here in chapter 12. It's present tense. He was snatched up. And then it says in chapter 14, he was redeemed from the earth. So let's get a little bit more information about the male child. Let's turn over to chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14, and I'll just read the first five verses. Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion. Now the Lamb is Christ. Mount Zion is a poetic uh, indication of heaven, right? Jerusalem. And with him, 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps, and they sang a new song before the throne and before the li four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who, get this, who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they kept themselves pure. They follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from among men and offered as firstfruits to God 
and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. So let me pull it all together for us. In Revelation chapter 7, we learn that God has set aside 144,000 Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel. They are marked by God in the forehead as a protection. And they are to evangelize. They are the ones who come to Christ during the, revela- during the tribulation, the early tribulation period, and they start pointing people to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They are protected. They are protected again in chapter 9 when God sends the demons out from the abyss. He says, first, make sure that the mark of those 144,000 will protect them even from the demonic forces let out from the abyss. So God is protecting his 144,000. The next time we read about the 144,000 evangelists is here in chapter 14. And where are they? They are in heaven with the Lamb before the throne and the four living creatures and the elders. And they have been redeemed from the earth. They have been caught up to God. They have been raptured in the middle of the week. Where else are they going to get from the earth to heaven except here in chapter 12. And so I maintain that the male child is the 144,000. Number one, it maintains Revelation's outline. Number two, the woman is a company of people or a group of people. The woman represents an entire nation, the entire nation of Israel. So a child, a smaller being, would represent a smaller number of people of that same kind. And so the male child is a smaller company and 144,000 among millions of Israelites on the earth at the time makes total sense. They are born slash raptured during the tribulation and they will rule with Christ. If you turn over to Revelation chapter 20, you will read that those who are in Christ will rule with him in the new millennial kingdom. They are on earth in chapter 7 and chapter 9. They are in heaven in chapter 14. Make sense? So the male child is the 144,000. And so that makes total sense now. And now we don't have to go around and say, well, this little story here in chapter 12, these signs really point back 2,000 years ago. Because guess what it does? It confuses Every Christian who reads this book. When John tells us, blessed is he who reads the words of this prophecy. And when he talks about the final seven years before the second coming of Christ, that all of these things must transpire. When Jesus tells him, write all the things that must take place after this. It makes total sense to see that this male child cannot be Christ. Christ has already come, was crucified, was buried, and was raised. And he is the lamb who who the 144,000 are communing with in heaven. You understand that this makes total sense now. And so now Revelation can continue to be read in sequential order. And I promise you, I think this passage, this passage, because most of us listen to the scholars... 
It's what causes most Christians to go, okay, so this happened then, and this might happen then, and they just throw up their hands and they say, I can't understand it. But friends, this morning I'm convinced that the woman is Israel, the dragon is the devil, and the male child is the 144,000 evangelists, raptured in the middle of the week. Praise God and hallelujah. Well, let's go on to the war in heaven. Look at what it says there in verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael, okay, you can do a search or a cross-reference in your Bible. Michael is the, uh, the archangel of God, the only archangel mentioned in the Bible. He's the only one. And he is designated as the protector and the representative of God's chosen people, Israel. There was war in heaven, and it, uh, Michael... And his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, that is the dragon, was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. I love that. He was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Let me just pause there and just say this. All throughout history, ever since the garden, when Stephanie read Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, she was helping us to see how Satan was already beginning to oppose God's plan by deceiving Eve and then, of course, Adam. Well, it's interesting because Adam was with Eve, and so we see in the New Testament that Adam is the one whose sin has been imputed to all of us who have been born on this earth. We all have inherited the sin nature, the sin condition. And that's because of the fall. And so when we launch into our study in Genesis after the first of the year, we're going to be dealing much more in detail Genesis 1 through 11. I promise you that that is the battleground in our schools today. Genesis 1 through 11. It is the part of the Bible that they want to dismantle and try to throw shade at and try to create skepticism even among Christian students. When they get into college, this, of course, becomes their number one plan. So after the first of the year, we're going to go to Genesis. We're going to finish up Revelation, and then we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. Okay, And we're going to look at God's plan from that perspective. And so I pray that you will be prepared for that. We're going to be promoting that as we go. But Satan was in the garden. Satan also was on the earth. And of course, he had access to heaven. How do we know that? You read Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2. Satan comes and presents himself before the throne of the Lord. And God asked him, where have you been? He said, I've been down and I'm going back and forth in the earth. And then, of course, he uh, in, inflicts Job. And we all know the story of Job. In addition to that, if you read Zechariah 3, this is your homework today. Go home and read Zechariah 3. Joshua, the high priest, is accused. Remember, Satan is the accuser and the adversary of all of God's people. 
Joshua the high priest was being accused by Satan in Zechariah chapter 3. Where was he? He was at the throne room of God. So Satan has always been here on earth and he has had access to God's throne, the third heaven. But right here, right now, In Revelation 12, we see once and for all the dragon, the devil, and Satan is cast out for good. That's where it happens. Right here in chapter 12, he is cast down to the earth and he will no longer have access to heaven. And that's why it says in verse 10, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. You remember what it said in chapter 11. This is coming, folks. This world is now going to be ruled by Christ. And here it is in chapter 12. It's declaring it as well. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Can I just tell you, friends, the devil is standing before God right now accusing you. He is knocking on your mind. He is telling you you're no good. He is telling you to stop worshiping God. He is telling you that the sins of your life cannot be covered by the blood of the Lamb. He's telling you lie after lie after lie after lie. And we have the Holy Spirit. So beautiful thing. The Holy Spirit who lives in us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So when the devil comes, he tells you lies. The scripture is very clear. Get behind me, Satan. Flee from me. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Our job in this world, as we are in the flesh, we are to put on the full armor of almighty God. You see, but this declaration is that the accuser of our brothers has been cast down. That will be a joyous time in heaven when he is gone for good. Amen. Verse 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Christ. And by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. The devil will meet his end at the end of Revelation. But right now, he has been cast out of heaven, and he is down on the earth. And in verse 13, we see how this all unfolds for us. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman, that is Israel, who had given birth to the male child, that is the 144,000. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to a place prepared for her in the desert where she would be taken care of, get this, for a time, times, and half a time. A time is one year, times is two years, and a half a time is a half a year. 
You add all that up, it comes up to three and a half years. The 1260 days that we read earlier. Every time you see the numbers, 42 months, 1260 days, a time, a times, and a half a time, it always refers to the second half of the tribulation period. Israel will be protected during that second part of the tribulation. And in verse 15, then from his mouth, and it's interesting, he changes the character from the dragon to the serpent. Notice what it says there. Then from the mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with a torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. You notice how John uses serpent and dragon back and forth here. In verse 17, then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against who? The rest of her offspring. These are Israelites who are not the 144,000. This is the remaining members of the nation Israel. The dragon has gone off to make war against them. Those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And then in verse 13, verse 1 of chapter 13, it says, And the dragon stood on the, the shore of the sea. And so you and I get to see this all play out. To me, it's the most amazing thing. The, de the devil engages Michael and their angels, their collective angels, in a great war in heaven. Michael, the archangel, overcomes the devil, and he is hurled to the earth. And this male child that has been redeemed from the earth is the first fruits of the resurrection of those who are in Christ. The Israelites, the Jewish people, in the last three and a half years of the tribulation, who will come to follow Jesus as the ultimate Messiah, they will be protected. And even when they die, they will then be raptured up to heaven to be with God. You see, that is the power of the second half of the tribulation, is that the Antichrist now will rise to power. He comes as a very nice mouthpiece in the first three and a half years. But then what happens here in chapter 13 is the devil comes and indwells him. The Antichrist is a human man. It is a man. It can't be a woman. So ladies, you're clear. It's a man. And the number of his name, the number is 666. We'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about the Antichrist, how he will rise to power, who he is. Is he in the world right now? Where will he rise up from? What will he do? How he, will he conquer peoples? What will his power be? Who is this false prophet, the beast out of the earth? Who is he? We'll talk about all of that. So we see for next Sunday, you'll want to read in your sermon notes, it's all given for you. You want to read chapters 13 and 14 of Revelation. You want to go all the way back to Daniel. You want to go all the way to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You want to read all those passages. We'll learn about the Antichrist next week. We'll identify, you'll want to identify the beast out of the sea and the beast out of the earth. 
And you'll also want to identify what are the three messages of the angels in chapter 14. So with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can study it and read it, and we may have differences of uh, interpretation. But Lord, we try to be faithful to your word and let it be its own interpreter. So Father, we ask that you'll help us to be students, that we'll learn more and more about your Savior, Jesus Christ, and how we, Christians, before the rapture, are to have a sense of urgency about your kingdom's work to share the greatest news ever given to man, that Jesus saves. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen.